Hello Life Changes Church, we are so excited that you clicked on this video. We are in a series called What's It Like? As we look at the parables that Jesus told as he unpacked the kingdom of God for us. So why don't you get ready, sit back, grab a notebook, grab a pen as we get encouraged by this word. My name is Brett, and uh, this is my incredible wife, Shelly. Sarah is here, my youngest daughter. I don't think Brittany is here, but she did surprise us this week. She's living in Jeffreys Bay, um, and it really was cool to see her. And uh, we've been in part of this credible church for two decades. For two decades. And, and it is an incredible thing. And I want to encourage you to plant yourself in a local church, to plant yourself in a community. Can I tell you that it will rub you the wrong way? You will occasionally get hurt. But I, I tell you what, that God takes you on a journey that will change your life. Community is family. And if you know your own family, it's damn messy, right? It's messy. So we can't expect anything different, but God wants you to be part of a community of people, and He wants you to respond. And I'm so grateful that when Jesus was walking on the beach, He calls Peter and John, and He calls them ordinary, unschooled men. And that's me, to a T. I'm not a clever guy. I'm not, in a, I'm not like the best preacher in the world. But I can tell you one thing. I have encountered Jesus. I've encountered Jesus. And I've seen Jesus' hand move when I've been in my worst place, when I've been in my best place, when it's made no sense at all. And I've said, actually, Jesus, I have to trust you. I've seen him move. And I, and I pray that you would get an encounter of that this morning as we've prepared the soil with the worship that we had. It was incredible. Thank you, Gabe, and the team again. That really was an incredible time of worship this morning. And like the guys have said, we are working, in a, in a, we are working through a series, and the kingdom of God is like. And it reveals the mysteries of God in a very simple way. Until you read the parable and you have to preach the parable. It seems simple. It's not. I would just like to confirm. But the words of God in the Bible are true. They are there to inspire us. They're there to guide us. They're there to give us a foundation. It's there to show us how to respond, right? And so without further ado, let's just quickly jump into Matthew 22. It should be up on the screen behind us. Um, the parable of the wedding banquet. In chapter 22, verse 1 says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to tell the banquet. Uh, sorry, let me tell you, do that again. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. He sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. 
But those I have invited did not deserve to come. So go into the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed that there was a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. The king then told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Like I said, the parables are easy. Easy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, that it is alive, that it is powerful, that it is true, that it's there to redeem and transform us. Father, I thank you for this series highlighting the parables of the things of God. Father, I thank you that as Gabe preached about the soil, that what the value of good soil is. Father, I pray our hearts this morning would be good soil, that seed could be planted that would yield a harvest 30, 60, and 100-fold. I pray that this morning. Father, I pray for the word that Scott has brought about finding the treasure in the field, of giving up everything we have to find and go after that treasure that is you. I thank you, Father, that you are the king who has prepared a feast for us and that all your people are invited. Father, I thank you that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open, and our eyes would see this morning of what you have invited us into. In your mighty name, amen. So I'd love to give you some context around the scripture, and what we're going to do, we're going to just contextually go through it line by line and just build a little bit of a picture of the time and what it looked like, and then we've got two quick points, and then we get to respond. Easy, right? Cool. Jesus spoke to them in perils again, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So it's important to see here, there's a king, it's a royal banquet. It's a royal invitation, and it's a wedding banquet for his son. Contextually in the time, this would have been a big deal. It's a royal wedding. There would have been extravagance, lavishness, and much like today, if you have a wedding, it's probably one of the best celebrations of your life to have people together. And this is what is happening here. It would have been extravagant and over the top. In verse 3, it says, He sent out his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Contextually, again, in this time, if an event was going to happen, like a wedding banquet, there were always two invitations that went out. It's basically a save the date without the date. That's basically the way they rolled, okay? Because it took time to prepare the feast. It took time. So the servants would go out and invite those who were to attend, and they would RSVP and say, yes, we're coming. And then there would be this period of waiting for the feast to be ready while it was being prepared for them. So there was this anticipation and excitement that would be building for a royal wedding, a royal banquet. And what these guys decided to do was refuse the invitation 
of the king to a royal banquet. It's virtually unheard of that you would deny a king in this time. Literally, some of the commentary says that that is literally, if you did that, excuse me, please can I have my water, love? If you did that and you denied an invitation to a king, it was virtually an act of war. It could be considered an act of war because to be invited to a royal event was an extension of friendship. And if you denied it, you were basically declaring war. It was almost the most um, uh, disrespectful act you could do. And these guys denied the king. All of them. It says all. They all. Not one person who was invited to fill a banquet hall said yes. They said they would come, but on the day, they all denied him. That's almost like us getting invited to a Springbok game, right? (laughs) To the presidential box. That's a big deal. Let me tell you, there's not uh, some onions and cheese sticks there, right? On a, on a, like onions and a cheese on a stick, right? It's going to be pretty cool. There's going to be some great stuff. There's entertainment. You go down, you meet the players. It's incredible. It's like getting invited to the F1. And you get to go down and you meet your team. You meet the drivers. You go down to the pit lane. You sit in the car. It's unbelievable. Your guy wins. You're there. You're at the podium. You give the guy the trophy. You're there with a the champagne, it's like getting invited to the Oscars, and you're getting dressed by Hugo Boss and, I don't know, what's it, Dior, I don't know. Okay, Hugo Boss, it's cool, right? Yeah. And it's all the pre-party and the after-party and the private jets and the limo arrives, and you go, yeah, you know what? Nah, not today. It's crazy. Am I the only one? Verse 4 says, Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Third time. The third time the king sends his his servants out to say, Come to the banquet. Do you know in those days to have fattened calf and oxen, you had to have bucks, eh? You had to have bucks. These are prized cattle that have been prepared. It's not the old rickety guy at the bottom of the paddock with the rickety legs and the skew horn looking all mar. It's not that guy. This is the fattened calf, the prize, the prize calf. It's not like when you take Greek coffee... And you put it in your Jacob's bottle because your mates have an ability to drink so much of your expensive coffee. I did that. It's true. See, I'm not the only dodgy one, Scott. You may have had your online gambling, but I was a liar. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace. Verse 5 says, But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, one to his business. So you get invited to this royal banquet, possibly the best event of your life. And the guy says, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my field 
and I'm going to have a look at a field of dirt. That, that was his, that, that's what he chose. It's not like the field was going anywhere, right? On that day, he said, no, I'm going to go and check out my field. The other guy's like, no, you know what? I'm actually, you don't understand. I'm too busy. I've got a business to run. Those two options were clearly not the better deal. I just want to let you know. And if we look at our own hearts, how often are we wandering off to look at the dirt in a field? Or we're just too busy? Then they did another crazy thing. Verse 6 says, The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. That's an insane response. That's like getting an invitation to go to Tainhase with the president for lunch, and the guy that delivers the message, you just kill him. It doesn't make sense. This is the king. Verse 7 says, The king was enraged, and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. I don't know what to tell you. Verse 8 says, and then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. It's all prepared. But those who are invited did not deserve to come. So the banquet is ready, people. Verse 9 says, so go into the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now, I can tell you what, in my researching this, what's quite interesting is that the people who were invited were obviously of stature. And when you generally, in those times, when you received an invitation, there was an obligation to reciprocate the invitation. So now you're getting invited by a king to a royal banquet and the people who could potentially, maybe, marginally reciprocate said no. Now he's gone to the streets. He sent his servants to the streets, and he's pulled the bad, the good people from the streets, right? I don't know about you, but I don't think too many of us here live on the street. He went to the streets, and he fools. It says they gathered, gathered them, because those people, the bad, the good, and those from the streets knew that they would have to be pulled, kicking and screaming, because they could not. They understood contextually at the time they could not reciprocate the invitation. They could. There was nothing they could do. There's nothing they could bring that could reciprocate the king's invitation. This is mirrored in Luke 14, verse 13, where Jesus instructs, he says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although, you cannot although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And obviously, yeah, verse 11, it says, but the king came in to see the guests. He noticed there was a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? And the man was speechless. I love that the king comes to be with the people. That's the first thing. He comes to be not with the nobles, not with the people who were originally invited. 
He comes to the people that were dragged, gathered, kicking and screaming, who had nothing to offer. He meets them. And then he sees someone out wearing clothes. And this quote by Jonathan Bowers, it says, The wedding feast is an open invitation, but there is a dress code. Everyone is welcome at the table. Everyone is welcome at the table. But the table changes us. Or to keep with the image of the parable, it changes our clothes. If it doesn't, then we aren't truly guests. It's quite crazy. Verse 13 says, And the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we know, if you don't know, that's a description of being cast into hell. It's what it is. Verse 14 is even more scary. For many are invited, but few are chosen. It's a scary scripture. All are invited, but not everyone chooses Jesus. Which really brings us to our first point today, and I must apologize, I lost the somehow in the transfer, the slide got lost, but I want to tell you about a significant invite in my life. When I think I was around 20 years old, uh, my wife and I got invited by a, uh, uh, not a newborn believer, so I'm not even going to say Christian, because you need to be born again, baptized, you need to be a born again believer. Because lots of people call themselves Christians, right? Doesn't necessarily mean that you're a Christian because you call yourself a Christian. And this person invited us to attend a course called Alpha. And if you don't know what Alpha is, part of the Catholic Church, Alpha is a, a, a eight-week or 12-week program that basically teaches you the principles of Jesus, who he is, what he did for you. And you get a chance to respond. And we went away on a weekend, and I put my hand up and gave my life to Jesus. I made a decision. I put my hand up, I got radically filled with the Spirit of God, and that God encounter changed my life forever. It was probably one of the most significant invitations I've ever had in my life, which has dictated the last 20-odd years of my life. And that decision came from an invitation from someone who was not in a church community, a born-again believer, not it came from someone who is not a believer. I want to tell you the invitation is for all. God is the king. Jesus is the son. Those people in the story are us. And the banquet is everything God has for you. It's important that you see that. And I want to ask you, how many people sitting in this room with a show of hands have been invited? Were invited to encounter Jesus. Just a quick show of hands. You can do faith, guys. Like Awesome. There's an invitation for all of us to sit at the banquet table. The big question is, what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Have you just RSVP'd, and then you do the usual Cape Town thing? No, no, I'll see you there. And wait for the next best thing to come along, and then pick your options on the day. When God speaks, how do you respond? 
when Jesus speaks, how do you respond? It's important that we get clarity here. The world right now is screaming, live your truth, right? It's in every narrative, everything you're watching, everything you're reading, live your truth. I want to tell you something. There couldn't be anything more destructive, distracting, or devastating as a narrative for your life. You cannot live your truth. You need to live God's truth. There's a very, very big difference. And I think we need to understand that we don't, our, our role is quite minor. You don't get to live your truth. We get to live God's truth. Every single one of us. Just because I'm standing here doesn't make me any better than you sitting there. We're all subject to the things of God. And we need to respond. So again, the question arises, what invitations are you sitting on? What has God called you to? What has God asked you to do? What invitations are you sitting on? In the parables, you can see the invitation is open, but people's hearts are clearly closed. So again, you need to ask, what are your hearts closed to? Are you treating your invitation like your cell phone or device updates? Ignore. Try tonight. Try later. Try in a week. Try in a month. It's funny, but we just keep pushing ignore, ignore, ignore. I'll get to it. Now I'm busy. I'm busy. Ignore. Do you know what the problem with that is? that eventually your device stops working. It stops working. It loses functionality. And it, it's just there. Or are you waiting to get control of your sin? Are you waiting to get your life in order? Are you waiting to be in a different place? Are you waiting for a new job? Are you, what excuse are you making that you're not responding to the invitation? How are we going to respond to this invitation? Which brings me to the second point, which is how do we respond? I want to tell you another story about responding. When we came to Life Changes in the early 2000s, Obviously, uh, when I say obviously, Shelley and I have been married 20 years in September. Can we give my wife a hand, please? We've been married 20 years, but our oldest daughter's 24, 23. So you can do the maths, right? I can't, obviously, but she's 23. So Wally Gersmeyer, who was instrumental in planting the Life Changes story many years ago, knocked on our door one day and challenged Shelley and I and said, hey, why, why aren't you married? We were like, hey, Wally, it's just a piece of paper. Hmm. He said, but is this God's best for you? Is this God's best for you? And we had a choice to respond, and we responded, and here we are two decades later. 
I would like to say happily married. My wife probably a little bit more frustrated than me from time to time, but that's expected. But she does get this, let's be honest. <laughs> it's a fair trade. It's a fair trade. But in all seriousness, it should be incredibly sobering that nobody responded to the king's invitation. Remember, we've said the king is the king, and the son is Jesus, and it's his wedding banquet. And nobody that was invited responded. should be incredibly sobering that no one responded. Sometimes we hear the invite and think it's a demand, but what it demands, what the invite demands is a response. The invitation is not a demand, but it does demand a response from us. The parable demands a response from God, and it demands a response to Jesus, to the things he's called us to. There is a demand to keep responding to the invitation. There is a demand to keep coming in. Because if we don't choose to sit at the banquet table, our hearts stop responding, and then we lose the privilege of feasting. And I don't know about you, but I'm realizing more and more, I don't want to be in that place where my heart stops responding. Jesus is calling you with fire in his eyes. We see it in Revelations, the rider on the white horse. His eyes and his passion burn to see you at the banquet table. I want to encourage you, respond. We ongoingly need to lay down our lives and pick up what Jesus has called us to. You've got to keep picking it up. You've got to keep showing up. You've got to keep standing up. You've got to keep coming. You've got to stop worrying about what the world says about you and start trusting what your Father says about you. Can I ask the band to come up, please? I want to tell you about a king who gave a wedding feast. He gave a banquet. And I want to read this Ephesians 1 over you. And I felt God say, this is what the banquet looks like for my people. And so can I ask you to stand... We get an opportunity to respond, and I I want you to, whatever it is, maybe it's a bit strange for you, whether you close your eyes or raise your hands or whatever you want to do, but I'm I'm trusting that, that this picture of the banquet feast will open your eyes and stir you to move, to keep responding to the invitation, to pull your chair up to the table, because I want to tell you this is what's sitting at the banquet table for you. It says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
Will you sit at the table? For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Will you pull your chair up to the table? In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Will you pull your chair to the table? In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. Will you pull up a chair? Will you sit at the table? With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Will you pull your chair up to the table? In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity within the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Will you pull up your chair? And when you were also included in Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed that you were marked in Him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, to the praise of His glory. Will you sit at the table? Will you sit at the banquet table? Will you receive this beautiful picture? The invitation has been accepted and has been sent. The banquet has been prepared. The fattened calf has been prepared. The best of the best, the lavish, the extravagance. There is nothing that you can bring. There is nothing that you can do that deserves the banquet. But the king says, will you come and will you receive these things? Will you come and receive these things? What an amazing word. We hope you enjoyed that sermon. If you would like to find out more about Life Changes Church, why don't you go onto our website or you can follow us on our social media. Have an amazing, amazing week.